0: A few decades ago, I was about 25 and I made a visit to my ancestral homeland, Brooklyn. I went to visit my parents and we were sitting at the dinner table having a conversation and suddenly my father stops and he says... I'm afraid I'm going to die without my dreams being fulfilled. So my mother looks at him, and she says, Hi, his name. (laughs) (laughs) What are your dreams? And he turned around to me, pointed his finger at me, and said, Grandchildren. As you may have heard before, I grew up in a very traditional community of Syrian Jews in Brooklyn. And in that community, people married very young at 18 and didn't leave home before they got married. So my parents expected a brood of grandchildren for me at, you know, by 20, 21, I should have had three children. And uh, I'm an only child, so all the pressure was on me to fulfill that dream. But instead, I didn't get married until 35 and didn't have my first child until I was 38. Unfortunately, their dreams were not my dreams. And to be fair to my father, he wasn't only angry, he was really disappointed. He He was grieving a dream he had and one that he sacrificed everything for. He grew up poor during the Depression, and he imagined the best life possible for me, and it wasn't one that I imagined for myself. In this week's sacred reading, the reading of the Torah, in the portion of Noah, God, too, is disappointed in God's children. Listen to this. And God saw that the evil of humans was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of the human's heart was only, only, evil continually. And then, God regretted that God created human beings in the earth. And God was grieved to God's heart. Wow. God just created human beings last week. I don't know if you were in synagogue then and heard about creation, but it's been one week and God already wants to destroy all of humanity. God regrets having created them and sees only evil in them. If you remember, in our last parsha, in the last portion, the portion of Genesis, or, or the creation portion, God sees good again and again. Good and very good. Good and very good. And here, God only sees evil. It's a troubling passage. It's troubling also, not only because God wants to destroy the world, but this is theologically difficult. What kind of God is this? Why such human emotions? What does this mean about our God? Right, the God of the Torah. So, if you read the Torah carefully, not in the light of the later um, philosophers, thank you, why can't I say that word? (laughs) Philosophers, in light of later philosophy, or even the rabbis, you know that this is a book which portrays a God who's a real character, a a character with passion, not this abstract, omniscient, all-powerful God that we can't imagine. No, this is a God of blood and guts, right? God who loves, is lonely, is angry, rages, wants to destroy, wants to punish, wants to, you know, want, and also wants his people, or or God's people, um, her people, to rise up and be a partner with God. But God is disappointed again and again and again. So think back again to last week. The first human beings, Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, they had one rule. God gave them one rule, and they did not listen to that rule. They ate from the tree of knowledge. And then their, their son, Cain, murdered his brother Abel. And then a few generations later, we have the Tower of Babel, Where human beings create this tower to kind of pierce, you know, pierce the heavens and transcend their humanity. God didn't like that either. So God is a God that is grieving. God, as you can see, when God created human beings, God created them in God's own image. God hoped for a reflection of divinity, of holiness on this earth. In fact, Rabbi David Ingberg talks about God's project as the holiness project. Right? And again, if you read through the Torah, you'll see God is disappointed again and again. Grieved to God's heart. Aviva Zornberg, the great Contemporary tar- Torah scholar and commentator in her book The Murmuring Deep describes this divine state of grief or itzavon as born of the wish to shape reality after one's design. So every human being has a project, right? It could be work, it could be family, um, it could be a book, it could be anything and God in the Torah also has a project and that project is holiness on this earth through human beings. And as soon as we have a project, as soon as we have a hope, we risk, we become vulnerable, right? We, we risk disappointment and grief. Zornberg says, the creative will meets inevitable frustration. Parents raise children as projections of their own desires, only to discover that children develop desires of their own. Amazing, shocking, stunning, surprising. I remember at a friend's wedding, her father was making a toast, and he said, if you raise children to be independent, watch out, they turn out to be independent. <laughs> so, so far, God and my father share something, right? That, that grieving heart, that disappointment. It's that space between dream and reality, plan and execution. So think about your own life for a second. What about you? What is that space between dream and reality, between plan and and reality or execution? Is it disappointment in the family that you have or that you hope that you have? Disappointment in a child? Even if it's momentary or for a while, it can be really painful a book you've written that didn't sell as many copies as you thought it would, Uh, a business you've launched, is your disappointment sometimes in who you are and who you turned out to be. So God's disappointment makes God want to destroy the entire world. So why? What's so bad about this generation that God wants to destroy the world? What's really interesting? I think there's a key. There's a, a Hebrew word root. Word root. It's shachat, is to destroy. It's used again and again for human beings of this generation. So listen to this as an example. God saw the earth that it was destroyed because all flesh had destroyed their ways. Fayaar Elohim t'haretz v'hinei nishchata ki hishchit kol d'arko al ha'aretz. So instead of humanity rising up to be God's partner and support and become stewards of life, what do they do? They destroy the earth. The generation of the flood is the generation of destruction. In turn, God wreaks destruction on the earth, simply mirroring what human beings are already doing, a kind of measure for measure reaction, response. You want your world to be destroyed? I'll show you destruction. The rabbis call this principle Mida Kenegabmida Midah. It's the way the world, it's, I guess it's kind of a karmic principle, the way that the world mirrors back to you what you're already doing. And God says, behold, I will destroy humanity along with the earth. By now, you're probably hearing the resonance of this story and our own. This story is really about us. We are the generation of destruction. We come from generations that have exploited and destroyed the earth. The heart of the planet is grieving. Having destroyed, we are now bearing witness to the fruits of that destruction. We are watching the destruction of the earth. We read it in the news, we see it on screens, we witness floods and endless fires. The disruption of the rhythms of the earth, the warming of winter, ice caps melting. We see so much of it, it's hard to take it in. My husband's an investigative reporter and recently he said to me, and he's really good at mastering hard facts, the hardest, hardest of facts. And he said to me recently, people don't know what's coming. And I said, stop right there. I can't take it. I can't function before the apocalypse. I can't take in, like, vivid descriptions of the nightmares to come, or which may come, I should say, which may come. I need to find a different way. So last week, I was on the Cape. And on Sunday morning, I went on a walk during dawn. It was dawn. And the ocean was just spectacular. Sorry. I witnessed the rainbow colors of the sky reflected in the ocean. The gulls flying over the ocean with the morning sun reflected on their wings. The waves insisting, despite everything, on their rhythmic journey to shore. I felt the sadness of a planet being destroyed but I also felt great comfort in the beauty I witnessed. And that is exactly how God goes forward in our parsha in our portion. It's through comfort. God is ready to destroy the un- the entire world and sees one person, Noah, who represents righteousness, pure righteousness. And with that God is comforted and decides to continue with the life project. But there's something that's so powerful about the simple act of being comforted we've traveled a long way tonight together from the ancestral home of brooklyn to god's great grief-filled heart in the torah to our own grieving hearts and finally to the planet's grieving heart How do we hold all these grieving hearts? How do we hold our own grieving hearts? Comfort or being comforted can help us close the gap between a reality that is exceedingly painful or disappointing and what we wish was true, refocusing us on what is real and before us and what is actually possible. Comfort, being comforted, can give us renewed strength, the strength to build an ark that can protect us and take us to a new world, lead us to a new covenant, a new social contract. Gentle care, compassion, cradling, comforting, comforting our grieving hearts, the grieving heart of the planet, of the great mother. Comfort can help us choose life over death allow us to become partners in creation instead of continuing to destroy our precious, vulnerable, and pained planet.